Hi, I'm Laura. Hey, I'm Stefan, and you're listening to Attributed, a podcast library by Dream Data. The purpose of it is to store and share all the knowledge that we have gathered across Dream Data employees through our LinkedIn Lives, podcasts, and webinars. The typical topics you'll find here can be stuff like marketing, sales, B2B ads, operations, social selling, maybe. Good. We're live, Philip. Um, and thank you so much for like volunteering to, to participate today. So we are to talk about uh, content as a revenue driver in a B2B company. And I think, or I know it's a, a thing both of us are a bit passionate about and it's the tactic we return to. So I'm really looking forward to, to talking with you about it. But maybe just for people who don't know you, maybe we can get the one, two minute uh, <laughs> of your career. Well, I can do it. I can do it much faster than that. So, so yeah, I started about 12 years ago in marketing. So way back in the day when it was SEO was the, was the rave. It still is the rave, of course, right? And then I started on my own. And after that, I moved into startups. The startup world very, very fast. And I've been there for the last 10 years and it's primarily been within software companies, right? And a lot of the content uh, has been my focus, right? And primarily to help scale. Scaling the organization through content has been what I've been really passionate about. It's used great results, seen some bad results, but overall learned a lot of, a lot of things. Uh, so like, that's how we do it, right? And uh, right now I'm the CEO uh, at Ischemi, and we are an advertising platform and we help agencies and brand uh, serve great ads to the audiences with ton of advanced targeting, also speaking of content, also we do custom ads. We're about 250 people spread across the world and uh, yeah, Overall, I would say we have a very good eye for quality, especially with the B2B and also how it translates into quality, or sorry, into tra traffic leads and, and revenue, right? So overall, from a business perspective, I'm a big fan, but from the consumer side, I'm also a very big fan of content and take a good interest in, in seeing that and understand that, so yeah. Super nice, Philip. Uh, and for you guys who are, who are listening, just view this as a, as a conversation that you can, you can take part of. So... Any questions, comments, or tactics you've tried that, that worked, just do, uh, do, do shoot it in here. What I've talked with Philip about before we started here is to try to be very specific. So if you feel that we could elaborate something more, just ask the question or comment on LinkedIn. But Philip, just to maybe just warm us up a little bit on this, on, on this content topic. So <laughs> let's start with like, what, what is content to you? Why should you produce content? Yeah, that's a good question. Very broad question, of course, but, but yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, content is everything. And uh, yeah, you can quote me on that. Content is everything for me in terms of how I see this, this uh, world function uh, that we're in, right? So uh, for B2B specifically, I think content is a differentiator. Like this is something that you can create that sets you apart from the other brands that you compete against, right? And it doesn't matter if this is a white paper, it's a tweet, it's an ad, right? It's an email, it's a flyers of design, right? The, the format is, is irrelevant, right? So everything we produce can be, be considered content, right? And that's, and that's why it's so important. Yeah, and I, I think the way I think about, at least one way I think about content as well, I think very much about the website as, as the host of the, of the content, although, although there's obviously other platforms as well. But at least what I'm trying to do with Dream Data is to make the website become the place where you at least can find an answer to any possible topic you can ask related to dream data. So that when, 
when the leads do convert into demo calls and talk with salespeople, then they've at least had an opportunity to find the answer themselves before they have to ask a, a salesperson. But maybe that's yeah. one bucket, what you do on your website. And then there's another bucket of what you do outside the website. I think, you're, yeah, I think you're quite right on this with the website. So from what I've seen in the last couple of years, I've worked a lot with a lot of sales teams and there's a lot of content hidden behind the scenes that they have for sales decks, white papers, all these things that they send, right? But actually getting that out and live on the website and, and being able to share that, I think that's very important, right? So regarding content, I think the last five years, my philosophy has changed, right? So moving a lot more away from blog posts and white papers and newsletters, right? All the ordinary ways that we in, mm. as B2B marketers have approached it, right? So I think I mentioned before, right? Like TikTok, I'm very fascinated by TikTok at the moment, right? Some of the best oh, no. creators in the world are creating content here, right? I know this is a B2B talk on LinkedIn, right? But this is fascinating to see how people create content these days, right? So... I'm very old when I see these pieces of content, but, but I, I like that their mindset, right? And putting the audiences first and catering to the platform. Just like you and me are catering to LinkedIn Live now, right? It's part of the yeah. embedded format, right? And it, it works better with better reach, right? So always looking into new channels and, and trying that out. Not that I'm planning to do that with Schemi, but it's always a good approach to always be have an eye open on that, right? Yeah, and I think I... <laughs> I at least started out with content from an SEO perspective and it can be a little bit hard to let go of your darlings because if used to be like, I started out really caring about organic traffic in Google Analytics and whatever search engine tool I was using, it was, it was so important to be number one on, on these search terms. <laughs> but I think when you, when you do get more experienced, you yeah, even in, within the SEO discipline, you also start to, to know a little bit more. But uh, I think in general, like nowadays, I don't think about content as an SEO discipline. I think about we need to create relevant information for people who fit somewhat of our ideal customer profile. Yeah. But, but, but back in the day and related to this, I was really, uh, you know, <laughs> really just trying to game the search engines to push my content pieces up to get the traffic into the website yeah i've also approached it like that and that's some of the early mistakes not that early but earlier mistakes that i did i was also trying to over optimize for like how much traffic can i get in terms of relevance audience segmentation these things right so i think when you asked about why you should produce content and i hate to paraphrase simon sinek but it starts with why why are we creating <laughs> this content like uh, like why do we why are we creating this strategy right how does this serve uh, our goal as an organization. So the topic of this is, of course, revenue. So the point of producing content is in the end revenue, right? For many of us in B2B that have sales teams, it's part of that. They need support, they need leads, and that's from revenue, right? But of course, we will probably also touch upon the other parts of it, right? Awareness, conversions, positioning, deal cycle acceleration, right? Retention, thought leadership. Some of these might be buzzwords, but I think overall, people should be aligned on this with their management, their entire organization. Like, why are we doing this? Yeah, and I guess it also depends on at what stage is your company at? Are you kind of yeah. just starting out from scratch? Are you established or what are you trying to do here? And kind of the path I, I took with Dream Data was that like initially there was no website. So you need to build a website and... I needed to explain the technology of what we were at least claiming that we had <laughs> in the beginning. 
And then later on, once we started having salespeople, I, I realized, shit, the salespeople doesn't know as much as me about marketing or data or technology. So now I have to listen to the salespeople. What are the questions that they are consistently being asked? Because then I can at least you know, write a piece of content that answers the questions that they, they continuously hear. But, you know, it depends on the priorities in your organization. But I think it's a great place to start is to go in and, and listen to what, what, what are the salespeople talking with the customers about and then try to answer those questions in a, in a really, really good way. Yeah, I think that there's three or four main, four main ways that, that we think about, like, content and, and getting that, right? It's the customers, it's coworkers, it's from data, and it's looking at competitors, right? What are they doing, right? So I think they... A lot of them might look as if they have the answer, right? But getting that, mirroring that from what's happening in the market, I think that's also very important early on to see what should we start producing and why should we produce it? Not because our competitors are doing it or because someone says we should do it, but what does the market say? Like what types of format, like what, what stage you're at, right? So mapping this all together and that is, that's not easy, right? So content is becoming increasingly harder, especially than B2B. Can you just, uh, I mean, I think this is actually not something I do that much anymore, but could you talk about, you said mirroring uh, what competitors do? So yeah. what are the, like, if you were to like step into a new company and analyze the three, four main competitors, what, what would you be looking at at their websites? I would look at different content areas. I would also look at the data points, right? Using tools like Hrefs and SEMrush are really good ways of getting not only in introductions to, to what is working for them in terms of SEO, but also digging deeper into their content, right? So it really also looks into looking at their, uh, what they're promoting on the different channels, right? So we're using the intelligence that Facebook has under Ads Manager going in, seeing what ads are they running, how long have they run this ad for, right? This must be working, right? So this white paper they've been promoting for the last year, either they're bad at marketing or it's, it's working, right? So I... 50-50, <laughs> if, if, if you don't have dream data, of course, right? But I think that's very important. It's, uh, that actually reminded me, I haven't checked out which ads my competitors are running for a while, but it's actually at least both, it's both on Facebook and also LinkedIn, you can actually go to their pages yeah. and you can see which ads that they are running. So like if you yeah, I haven't done that before, it can be quite interesting to see. Yeah, good inspiration. I have like one of these uh, swipe files where I just... I, in the back, and they used to, I used to save the post, but now I take a screenshot of it and save the link and have like a swipe file where I'm keeping these ads, right? It's always good to have inspiration. Just a little hit bit. I can see yeah. Thomas has a question. I'm not sure if we're entering now. Just don't. Yeah, let's on. just do it right Point away. I can click a button here, then everybody can see it. So, yeah, I can read it out loud. When we have the content, the next question would be gated or not gated? Just to explain so, if somebody doesn't know what it means, then at least how I understand it is gated is when you have to pay for the content in some way. Typically, it's with your email or your phone number. The other option would be to non-gate it so everybody can just read all the content all the time. How do you see that, Philip? So you want to you wanna fight. That's what you want to do right now. Because this, <laughs> is, this is a hot topic for a lot of marketers. I think Thomas asks the right question. Like, when do we do it? And I think it really depends on, as I said earlier, the nature of the platform. So for LinkedIn, I would love to be able to show as much as possible and give people access and like impressions, a lot of viewability on LinkedIn. But when people are on my website, either there's two options or three options. They leave the site, 
they book a demo or they download a white paper, right? So having that white paper as an option, I like that if the attempt is there. The main reason I see people not liking gated content is because usually uh, what happens is that we get this, it goes into HubSpot, Salesforce, it gets uh, scored. Like if it's the CEO of Microsoft, it gets a high score and it goes directly to a salesperson, right? It goes directly to a salesperson that calls them. There's no intent. It might just be very early in the stage. So there's this mismatch between sales and marketing. Like when are we transferring leads to sales? And I think that's where it breaks a lot of time, right? Because people have had bad experiences with this. Overall, I'm not against scaled content done correctly. And I've done it many times in the past, but I'm changing approach a little. Yeah, and if, if, we ju- if we just go into the question of why you would gate at all, I think gating the content is, you have to do it in a few places, uh, at least. That, like, Fundamentally, I think you should ungate as much as possible because it's about allowing the right people to see the information at any point of time. But we also all like to get paid and receive salary <laughs> once a month or something like that. And in order for us to do that, we need to, to feed the salespeople leads, accounts, et cetera, that they can work on. And by you know, asking for an email can be a way to find people that the salespeople could talk to. But I, I, just, I just feel like the, particularly some of the, if you do very broad uh, eBooks, it's really not, a, it's, it's at least not what I would call a qualified lead you get there. Like nine out of 10 times, it's just people lurking around, downloading a lead, an ebook without direct access, you said yourself. There's no intent behind it. No. Um, I, have, I have an example that, I'd love, yeah. that, that I recently came across saying it's impossible almost to not have gated is webinars because you need access. It's not the mind priority, it's reminders of this, right? And also the technical part of, of signing up for a webinar, right? So a webinar is usually a very good place to have it. And I don't think I've seen many places where it's not applicable. Of course, when it's, it's pre-recorded and it's evergreen or it's like on demand, I would not actually put a gate on them. I would let people consume that content. So that's one of the places where I would let it fly, unless it's like a live webinar where people need a reminder because we've just seen some data that the reminders of these uh, webinars is, is pivotal for success. Otherwise, people will forget about it. So yeah, that's one place. Yeah, I think in general, I would say ungate as much as possible and then count on, <laughs> pray that people will come back and book the demo when they feel educated enough to buy. But it is also kind of, there is this, you know, us marketers also do like to have something to show that, that we've actually done something. And then the emails that you do collect by gating stuff can be a way to go to the CEO and say, look, <laughs> I actually did something. <laughs> I think but there's it, a lot of disagreement on that one in, term, in terms of getting, if we're talking about revenue, right? That, that yeah. entertains a lot of things with, with email marketing afterwards also, right? So mm. that's a whole, whole other topic. But uh, yeah, it's, but a, good, I think it's a good the, question. I've done things where uh, examples where I've, we've done really well-written blog posts that are free and open on the website. And then on LinkedIn, I've then packaged it as put in your email here to actually receive this blog post. So if you came to the yeah. website, you could just read it. But to defend the ad spend on LinkedIn, you need that kind of lead collected to kind of justify keep running uh, the ads. I've done something similar in the past for SEO in terms of just having like an ebook, a full ebook on the site. Not that it still looks good, right? But 
like right next to it, would you like this as a PDF? And within that mm. space, a lot of people wanted it as a PDF. So we got about two or 3,000 downloads a month from this white, these white papers on the side. Can you Just talk a little bit about was... more that case? Yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah, so this was when I worked for iMotions, which is a multimodal biometric research platform, very fancy. Really, really a complicated, very sophisticated software and also a very interesting space. So there's a lot of big content that can be created and not a lot of good, good ones was done besides Wikipedia. We created a lot of very advanced and also very specific uh, blog posts writing very broad topics like eye tracking. So made guides for each of these modalities like EEG, all these eye tracking things and all these different metrics around your body that we can measure. Um, and then we just made it into an ebook next to it. We didn't use any money to promote it. It was just part of the, the package, right? We have it optimized for a site. And then you can also download it if you want to share it with colleagues or have it in a prettier format, right? So that's a value add. And then, uh, yeah, I've actually really liked that, that it's not gated, but you offer it next to it, either like sign up to our newsletter or, you know, get it as a PDF yeah. or something like that. Yeah. What happened to those leads after they downloaded the ebook? Oh, sorry. They went, they went to They went directly to sales. No, no, they didn't. Of course they didn't. Like, no, they didn't. Of course they didn't. They actually yeah. went into some nurture, nurture sequences uh, that okay. were created in, in, sales, in sales or in products. So nothing went to sales. Um, we did a, a manual review once a month in terms of lead scoring uh, with the sales leaders, but nothing that at scale got sent because we had enough inbound leads, which is crazy to oh. say. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> when 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 was the handover to sales then for for the leads? For the leads came naturally. There was no physical handover, so it was education, 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 like jab, 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 right hook, mm. uh, kind of way. Like and then somebody just, books a demo, and then the salesperson takes yeah. it. So yeah. so we we could see a lot of it. It wasn't the data that is possible today with tools like I won't name tools. Yeah. Uh, it's much easier to see that this conversion rate and the journey right. Yeah. But yeah. we could definitely see see it by looking just at the at the data from the specific customers, but nothing at scale. Yeah, I, I really like uh, that, and I think this it's how we do it as well. And I think how I like to treat people because if you like downloading that PDF shows that you're interested in the topic, you're not out there to buy. So you shouldn't be treated as some buddy you want to pull into a sales conversation. No. But if and then at some point I need, I want to buy it, of course, I'll go back and, and book the demo. Yeah, again, this goes into like long-term sales and, and education. And I think we have some questions in the chat. Maybe we can put them in. And yeah, that that's kind of uh, uh, sort of another content classic uh, from Matilda. Yes. <laughs> What KPIs do you measure when uh, when doing content? Yeah. You can start, Philip, and then I can, I'll join afterwards. Yeah, it, it really depends on which, again, stage. Everything depends, right? But this stage we're in and where we're at in the process of creating it. So in, in the beginning, like the very early beginnings when we talk about SEO, it's, of course, it's just impressions. It's not even click-through rate in Google. It's impressions. Like, how are we, how is the content being done out in Google? So that's the very oh, first really? one. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting one when you're looking at creating scale. Uh, it's it's one of the leading indicators, right? It's not something that, like, it's a vanity metric. Impressions yeah. and traffic are vanity <laughs> metrics. I will say it here, vanity yeah. metrics, but it's still a leading indicator, right, in terms of, yeah. of planning that and seeing what's what's actually getting ranked, right? So yeah, there is both the qualitative side of this and the quantitative side, but 
overall, it, it's conversion rate, it's, it's revenue. Those will be the, the last two, right? So how many of these people convert? Yeah, I think it's actually really like that's like it's always a good framework to think about marketing uh, leading indicators and lacking indicators because you know the journey typically takes six months in our b2b world so mm. what do you actually look at in the beginning i would say even before impressions if we are to do vanity i would also say if you're starting from scratch productivity also just matters how many pieces of content are you actually putting on your website yeah. how many words are going live because like even before the impression, it starts with you actually putting stuff out. <laughs> yeah. And I think consistency, it's, it's the same word, right? But consistency in your output, I think that's a very good one. And that's why people have these content calendars, right? It's, it's not always just a plan. It's also to have consistency and, and be sure that this gets put out, right? So there's someone above you that's always helping you to help you with that KPI. So we have had like output as KPI. It doesn't state anything about the quality quality of the content right but it's, it's it's again it's a good start we have to start yeah somewhere. even the even even with uh, inside of dream data where we do have our own product available me and jeremy like at the start of the year still talked about how many articles do we think we can put out this year if we're being really productive so i think we settle on like we can put out two per week or something like that so if we, we know if we at least we do that then we're not completely wasting our time no, but, and, uh, but again, that, that you can shoot yourself on the foot with that if you don't have any distribution line. Uh, yeah. Like again, if it's still just on LinkedIn, and how how much time we're spending promoting these two pieces of content is it SEO related? Like, do we need need to create a little bit more a link profile with these things? So it all ties into a very big calculus that needs to get respected, right? So yeah, I I, I can I have an anecdote from when I was working at Airtain. My last job before Dream Data, I was, uh, we, we had been heavy, very heavily driven by paid marketing. And then as you get more experienced, you realize that you don't do these like six or seven figure contracts with people clicking on Facebook ads. So I, I went to the CEO and said, oh, we need to bet on content. And from one year to the other, I, I, I got budget for, I think, hiring four people, uh, like a, a writer, a designer, videographer, and then a manager for the team. And that's, you know, headcount of four people, then you're actually, <laughs> then you want to have proof that stuff works. And like yeah. for the longest part, I, what, what, the only thing I could show was organic traffic went up in Google. Oh, look at Ahrefs, our rank went up there as well. <laughs> but the problem is you can't, you know, you, know, you can't pay salary with, the, with these metrics. No. So you need to like figure out a way to come up with, explanations of why is this valuable for the company obviously I think that ties into, that, yeah. Yeah. yeah i think that Go ties ahead. into very much with alignment in in the company right with management like in poker there's an expression that's like that's i really like it's decisions not results this is not something that a, a ceo likes to like to hear when like why are we not getting any revenue from from this content but overall, we also have to believe in our strategy long-term. As you say, it's a six-month project. If you look at many B2B companies, data, right? So yeah. having that part of the journey, right? So let's, let's not take that we created 10 blog posts and we didn't see any revenue. So we have to be yeah. realistic when we set these expectations towards KPIs. And I, I actually don't think the CEO is being unreasonable either, say, because for me, I was like having the salary of four people creating content and, you know, He's just trying to do the best for his company. Should he go hire two more engineers instead? 
Yeah, I think that's where a lot of experience comes into play, right? You have to explain, we're not trying to build or we're not trying to sell, market anything right now, right? We're trying to build. And they know the same thing when we're trying to build the product out for people or for customers, right? It's the same thing, different analogy, but there is an expectation of revenue created from both of them, right? So the parallel is there. Yeah, so there's a lot of questions here. Maybe just to... Just before we jump on to the next questions, then I just want to like, so we talk very much this, what we talked about here was things that takes place on your website. And what about how do you measure stuff that takes place outside of your website? Do you have any good ideas for that? There are some, some, again, again, they're very vague in that sense. Um, I like consumption, which is something you can read on, on, on your site, right? But how long are people under there for added site? On emails, like it's email read-through, how many people are reading all the way through? Is it the content you're creating is good? Like click-through rate. And then when it's, let's say, LinkedIn, like what's the engagement? Like how many people are commenting, sharing, um, mm. besides your own company, right? So I think there's some indicators in terms of KPIs there you can set. And also in terms of output, like how many posts do we do a read, right? So it is a harder one to, to, to track. It's pretty much related to Jillian's question here, but I would also say just, you know, when you have these off website examples of con consumption, like do simple stuff as well as taking screenshots and sharing them on Slack or Teams or whatever you use to show the organization that there's actually somebody who consumed our content and this person is actually an ideal customer profile for us. So it, it probably can't be all bad that we actually get the right people to consume our content. No. And on LinkedIn, you can also see recent followers, right? So you can go once a week, go through the list, seeing, hey, this person uh, follow up now. We must be doing something right, or they must like us, or there must be some content that they found valuable for yeah. them to do that. I don't follow that many people on, on LinkedIn. So when I do it, it's because I think it's very, very relevant content. Yeah, well, then kind of the split between creation and dis distribution, that's another uh, classic. Uh, how do you regard that? I like to use a, a, a Flaskel. I'm not sure if like, a, like a, the 80-20, like uh, that is how I see it should be done, right? And especially in terms of SEO, uh, writing an article in SEO takes maybe a day or two, a week if it's really good. So spending a month promoting it or the, the month equivalent in resources and paid, that's at least something that's a good rule of thumb when it comes to SEO. But overall, I like distribution that has to be built into the content strategy. Like, why are we trading it? How are we getting in front of the right people? Those mm. two are really important. Yeah, it's really crucial because like, you create the best content in the world, but if nobody's getting exposed to it, like, it doesn't matter then. No. There's a couple of things here, so I, I can talk a little bit about how we think about it at Dream Data. We have kind of Jeremy and his content team, which is kind of, I regard that kind of as the engine room or the backbone of our content production. But that typically just gets released on our website and then on the corporate social profiles. But that doesn't reach that many people. So what we then as employees do, we kind of cherry pick on these different topics and then we write stuff on LinkedIn to try to if not copy paste, then we at least get very heavily inspired by the blog post and then do, you can say, micro content on LinkedIn about the same things. But you might as well also consider, uh, you know, paying for people watching your content. So if you have good audiences set up across different social media, then I would say that in some ways, if budget allows, like why do a piece of content if you don't pay for promoting it? I agree. 
And the, the cool thing about that is it's very much the targeting on LinkedIn, LinkedIn and basing that specifically on what, what stage you're in in your, in your CRM, right? So you don't need to spend a bundle. You can create very targeted uh, advertisements for this. That's not broad to the entire audience, right? So mapping that yeah. out using technology and ads, I think that's a, a brilliant yeah. idea if you spend time and it's valuable for this person at this stage. Gillian, if you don't feel it was enough of an answer, just get back again. There's another related question here. So how do you determine the amount of time and resources you allocate to creating quality content? And what I heard you say before, Philip, was that the more time you spend, the better it gets. <laughs> I'm not sure you, you would take that any day. No, no, no. I think it's a very hard question. It really depends on the content. And I think I've said depend before, but overall, as I also mentioned before, this, this space is getting more and more competitive. People are getting smarter on, and using the different platforms. So it needs to stick out. It's not like when I started out, a 300-word SEO blog post could rank you in Google yeah. right, without any headlines, right? Now you need graphic designers, videographers, custom like distribution, just to get it in front of a, a couple of people, right? So it depends on how valuable you see this content in terms of the stages they're in, right? Is it top of funnel, middle funnel, yeah. bottom of funnel? I think, I think the, it's the, also, the lower down you are. Yeah, yeah go ahead. No, sorry, yeah, sorry for interrupting. But yeah, it also depends, you know, what are you trying to do here? Are, are you trying to build a brand or you're like, you know, are you like in a, like a gray area affiliate web shop, uh, stuff like that? Then you can get away with just like posting poor quality. But like in established brands like our two companies, we would never ever release a low quality piece of content because... If people read low quality, then they would also expect your product to be somewhat of, of low quality. So it's, it's for, for me, at least, it's just not an option to release something that you would think this is low quality. I think it's always good to have a rule of thumb when creating content. Like how long time does it take to make a blog post versus what yeah. do we, where, where is the distribution? How long time does it take to create a white paper, right? So there's a lot of moving parts when doing this, especially when you're in a bigger team across department functions, the designers, the videographers internal experts, external experts, right? So it has to, there has to be some way of, of formatizing that a little bit in terms of, mm. we, yeah. we say this, this person can create X amount of content per week. So having it as a resource. Yeah. When I, when, for example, when I write for LinkedIn, I have a rule that I can never spend more than 15 minutes doing it because otherwise the cost of the production becomes too big because of my risk, I just hit the algorithm a day where it doesn't like me <laughs> or my, my viewers doesn't like me. And then I've wasted two hours writing what I thought was the perfect post, but nobody actually cared about it. Yeah. So Grace, here's another good question. So we know that over time content pays for itself, but any tip, tips for tracking its lifetime value? I think that might be more related to you um, <laughs> with, with your knowledge about that, because I haven't tried it out yet. In dream data. It is a tough one, Grace, uh, but I would, and uh, I hate to sort of sell our own product, but I can give an example uh, in my, my, my last company. We were creating these articles where we did comparison articles against our competing brands. And those articles had very low volumes of organic traffic, but we still thought it makes sense to like keep producing them. So when people chatted to us, we can say, this is what our product does do, and this is what the competing product does. And then at the end of my tenure there, I actually met my two co-founders uh, of Dream Data. And once we connected the data there, which has been tracking where did people arrive from, uh, who did what, from which account, etc., then 
we could see that there was actually certain articles that were creating massive amounts of value over time, meaning that we sold to these companies who, who read these articles. To do that kind of digital uh, attribution, you need at least need to first party track every visitor to the website and save that in a, in a data warehouse. So you then later on can connect that to the deals that the salespeople win. That's the technical explanation. And I think yeah. that, is, that is the right way to do it right now. I think there's a lot of speaking about the, the dark social, right? And all these things that's not trackable, but this is the first thing we can do, right? Like trying to track it as best as possible. Yeah, exactly. We have touched the gated and non-gated, so you can catch it earlier in the conversation. Then um, Matan here has a question. Do you have any examples of non-paid effective distribution channels for top of funnel content? Yes. I don't know if it's <laughs> that good, but, but, but and, and I'm going to swear now a little bit because I'm going to say sites, sites like Reddit is, is a real, not Reddit, what are they called? Reddit is well, blank now. It's not Reddit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's not Reddit. I mean, okay, but Quora, I, yeah, I, mean, I can Quora, just uh, Quora is yeah. a good example that, that that comes to mind when I've seen some really great examples of that. Very broad. You could also supplement it with 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 a little paid now, I think. But I think overall, getting that out there, it also had some good backlinks in the beginning. But PR yeah, is, would, is not uh, something I've seen work work a lot for this. So it has yeah. to be these more organic digital channels. Yeah, what I would do for. for pretty much for any company would to be to like keep a document of different communities around the internet where you can post your content. So for, like nowadays, Slack channels are huge and most of them have like this uh, shameless self uh, promotion block uh, where you can go post them. There is, you know, as you say, Quora, there's Reddit, there's, there's so many communities out there if you map, map them out for, for your industry that when kind of, I like, if we were better at it, then we would take every blog post we make, we would then take a trip around all these communities and then put it out there. So I'd map all the communities. We're big on LinkedIn and I think it's, yeah, it's, it's an incredible platform for distribution because the algorithm there is so uh, viral. Uh, you get so broad, uh, you go so broad so fast if, if people just start commenting and liking what you're posting. But again, it has to be native to the channel, right? So every time you go to Reddit, it has to provide value. It just can't be posting a yeah. <laughs> That is very important. Like I've Careful seen some examples like visit my site, right? It has to be. You have to be engaging. And that's the hard part of it, right? That's, it's not easy. It's not free in that sense that it, it requires time, resources. Cool. So a couple of last things. Um, how do you secure a budget? If you would say, now I feel like we should be producing content, how would you go about that? That's a good one. I think it really depends on the alignment. Like internal alignment is crucial with your manager or CEO. Um, it, it has to be uh, also embedded in the company, right? So making a business case for I see X amount of revenue coming from this uh, based on other people's stats, right? There, is, there are options out there to see that. You could also use HRF to gauge interest in traffic, right? But you have to have a business case um, for, this, for this to be viable for someone a little bit more senior. Starting mm. out, like we're not all big start enterprises that have four people in the content team. Sometimes it's just one or two. So making sure that the resources are set for a longer term, right? And, and having that strategy in place. So when you see great results, that's always good. But 
when it's not looking good for a month or two, it's still important mm. to remember the strategy. But overall, getting that alignment is, is needed. Otherwise, there'll always be someone pushing you back and asking yeah. about what are the results this week while it's the traffic on a week, right? So I'm always very hesitant when talking about numbers, but we need, we need to talk to numbers for our managers, yeah. for my CEO Absolutely. and for my employees. Like Everyone has to see the numbers because this is a business. But the business case can be, we will see this result in X amount yeah. of time. It will help these areas. It will help our salespeople sell faster, the deal close to uh, like cycle down, create confidence in our brand, right? So not everything is measurable, but at least you need to have a, a viable explanation on the business case of why, why we need to do this. Yeah. And now both of us has uh, kids coming home very soon. Uh, so yeah, yeah um, maybe just let's both try to maybe share one or two advices on content, content production, et cetera, for people to leave with. So I don't know if do you have anything you want to start out with? Or I, I, that's the first thing I think about is, and you can think while I, I speak, but um, it's to, when you do your keyword research, the ones that have high intent of actually purchasing your product is always better to spend time on than the one that has the most volume in terms of, you know, when you look at your search engine tools. You'll get so disappointed by ranking number one on a big, broad category because it's always about the intent in the search when they come to your website. Yeah, and, and I think that goes down to, to, to like the creating value part. Like, how do we create value that's not just something that people come, go, see, and it's, there's not no purchase intent, right? So always looking at the purchase intent in the beginning, right? That's needed. Unless you have time, unless you have unlimited resources, you need to do everything. But but content production is hardcore priority. You have to prioritize what you do and why you do it, right? So be ruthless. Like, do we do we need a blog blog post about X? Like, who are we making before? Why are we creating this? How are we distributing it? Like, those four questions I think are really pivotal when we start creating content. Like, smart start smart start small. Don't make a one year calendar for this. Right? Get start tracking content consistently. Get feedback, improve, and then start tracking. Don't need to track everything in the beginning. Right now, it's it's getting consistency out there. I think that's important. Awesome. Let's uh, let's end now, Philip. But thank you so much for for taking the time to to share some advice. And uh, yeah, to all the you people who wrote the questions, I really yeah, we both really appreciate you taking part in the conversation. We hope you like listening to us. Subscribe to our podcast and the ones that we have been guests on. And if you have any feedback for us, uh, just do let us know. And should there be a guest that you think we should be talking to, then like pitch us. We're looking forward to seeing you.